This is Around the Rim with LaChina Robinson. Hello, basketball fan. That's right. Around the Rim is back. Your ESPNW women's basketball podcast. We are in full effect. It's our summer season which is for WNBA, which as you know, you know, all we do is basketball, ball is life. So we are into the WNBA season. Um, I am your host, LaChina Robinson, joined by my fabulous producer, Tarika Foster Brasby. Now I want to make sure we understand this. In my mind, when I introduced Tarika as fabulous, previously I had this vision of Vanna White coming out, you know, like, ah, here's Tarika. But we've actually changed gears a little bit, okay? So it's not Vanna, it's Kiki Shepard. And for those of you that don't know Kiki Shepard, you need to Google Apollo. And, and Tarika, you will have to fill us in on why it's Kiki that you chose to be your alter ego, your producer alter ego. Well, see, Vanna is very poised, and that doesn't mean Kiki isn't either, but she's very poised. She's very, you know, uh, Kiki Kiki had a little spunk with her. You know what I mean? <laughs> Kiki had a little spunk with her. She had a little swag with her. She, You know, you knew Kiki was coming on the stage to introduce some folks when she came out there. That's more me. Oh. Well, and I was going to say, you just never knew when Kiki might get buck wild and you have your moments <laughs> right. where you just want to get loose. You want to get loose and that we love that about you, but you're absolutely right. So we will officially let you make your change to Kiki Shepard. Kiki also looked like she could be um, that best friend where if something went down, Kiki was ready to, you know, so that's how I think about you. Like you're my yep. sidekick. So that's something right. goes down, you, you know, know, me, you and today. Oh yeah. Um, we got it together. So speaking of today, she is going to join the show a little later on. As we all know, she is world traveled and she, uh, was recently at the NBA awards and she's got a lot going on. So anyway, she's going to jump in on the show a little bit later on, uh, during our conversation with Tina Thompson, which that is what we're really excited about today's show. We've got spectacular guests um and and all of us will be on for a portion of the show but then Chanae is also going to to host Tarika will do some hosting we mix it up we remixed it for you guys this week so um it's going to be fun as always Lisa Borders um president of the WNBA is going to join us I just want to send Lisa a shout out I was telling someone the other day there's such a great vibe around the WNBA right now and the visibility of the league the marketing of the league um um, you know, just some of the the whole Twitter movement as far as the game viewing opportunities, the new the all-star game, them announcing that we're bringing the three-point uh, contest back. Like, there's just so many positive things going around the W. You just feel this vibe, and a lot of it has to do with Lisa and her leadership. So, Janae and Tarika will have a conversation with Lisa later in the show. And part of that conversation um, is in continuing to – honor our month of June, which we call Pat Summit Month. Obviously, we have already celebrated um, the birth of, of Pat Summit, her birthday, on our, our previous show. But today is, is, a, is a hard day because it is the one-year anniversary of her passing. So we will talk a little bit to Lisa Borders about that. We're also going to wrap up our conversation about 
Title IX and the 45th anniversary of Title IX. And, and Tariqa, I know that um, you have enjoyed all that ESPN and ESPNW and so many people have done over the last week, over the last month, to kind of commemorate that so important piece of legislation in, in Title IX. 45 years. Wow, it's going by so fast. What's been mm-hmm. your favorite part? Of, well, of watching all that. I have most definitely loved the roundtable discussions that I've seen. And in specific, uh, you and Shamiqua Hoseclaw and Holly Rowe and Rebecca Lobo all sat down to talk about, you know, the impact of Title IX. And I, I think I love that the most because not only did it put visibility to some of our current leaders in the world of women's basketball and in the world of women's sports, but it just kind of gave me a broader outlook on, you know, what these last 45 years have been like across different people's perspective for what Title IX has meant to them. Yeah, it, it's been awesome. And that, I'll tell you, that time we had the Remember When series was so fun with Shamiqua, you mentioned, and Holly and Rebecca. And fans, if you haven't seen it, they've got it on the um, ESPN WNBA site where we just remember moments in WNBA history. Uh, you know, we it's crazy. It's been – this is the 21st season. But, um, you know, one of the things we did talk about was Title IX, and we've all been impacted by – Title IX, what it's done uh, for our lives, not just in sport. I mean, just mm-hmm. in terms of equality and all the way around. So, Tarika, today we'll have a great conversation later on with Lisa Borders about that. But right now, let's slide into the first quarter. First quarter. Our first quarter is blowing the whistle, and I'm going to slide my clipboard into the first quarter. Not too heavy this week. Um, so just a couple things I, I just wanted to have everyone keep in mind around the game of women's basketball. Number one is I um, want to send a shout-out to Fred Williams, the head coach of the Dallas Wings, who who missed their last game because he was having some health issues. And, and Fred is uh, – he is a guy, if you've ever met him, I mean, not only has he done so much for women's basketball, going back to his days at USC and working with Tina Thompson and Lisa Leslie and all those guys um, and what he did in Atlanta with the dream, but he's just a great guy. So wanted to just send some some love to Fred in hopes that he feels better soon. Don't forget, you can still vote for your WNBA All-Stars fans. Get out and vote for your favorite players. If you want to see them in Seattle, uh, make sure you're getting online, you're getting on social media, and sending those votes out. We also wanted to just send a shout out to everyone as we come to a close on the month of June um, for, for pride participation. I mean, the, the tennis shoes, the, I mean, the t-shirts, just all the support for equality, all the work that Nike has done. Shout out to Eileen Hauser, who just does a fantastic job with all the players, but um, just want to thank you and all the fans for their support and, and what you've done to just um, celebrate pride month as we come to the end of June. Um, actually, I've got a very short clipboard, so that's it. And since we got a long show, I, am going to move on and that means it's time for the second quarter second quarter inside the huddle it is time for inside the huddle and when i usually say inside the huddle sometimes we're inside sometimes we're outside sometimes we're behind the bench but we are literally inside the huddle with one of the best minds and one of the best players to ever play the game please join me in welcoming none other than tina thompson to the show welcome tina thank you 
Well, we're so excited to have you. You have a wealth of knowledge. Um, I love the way you continue to promote all levels of the game. And we'll get to all that experience with your four WNBA championships in a moment. But first, let's start with where you are. Um, You are on staff as one of the assistants for Karen Aston um, at the University of Texas. And, And I mean, it has been so fun to watch this program get back to national prominence and and not just to get there, but the way you've done it. We've actually had um, both Brooke McCarty on our show and we had Joyner Holmes. They were on the show together. Fantastic young women. So from your seat, how have you guys done it? How have you guys gotten Texas uh, to where you are? Well, you know how I am and what I just think about the whole process of getting better. And uh, basically we just kind of, we just really dove right into the work, like, of it all. I mean, we just don't have, like, awesome, you know, players or just people on our team. They're very hard workers, and, you know, they're the, the kind of players that you don't have to remind them to work. It's something that they do on our on their own. So when we get in the gym, we're doing a lot of correcting, and one of the things we don't have to do is to coach our kids to work. So, um I just think our staff in general has done a really good job, a great job in recruiting a type of player that are just not just good people, but they're hardworking. And when you have that combination, it makes it so much easier. It's been really, I'll tell you the part of it too. I mean, you're absolutely right. When I watch y'all play, whoever you're playing is in for a dog fight (laughs) because the pace at which you guys play, the fact that you never give up. I mean, the leadership, Brooke is one of my favorite players, period. Um, Mm -hmm. And Joyner Holmes has a great opportunity to leave her mark on the game, especially under your tutelage. But um, the other thing that I took note of is just the recruiting. I mean, every time there was like, okay, this player, um, you know, hasn't signed or there's some big time player there. I'm sitting at courtside at the Jordan brand classic. And I'm like, how many players does Texas have in this game? You could have had your own, you could have had your own squad. So what's been kind of just the key in getting top talent there? Well, the University of Texas has a lot to offer. I mean, it's a first-class education, but, I mean, our athletics department is just very advanced and just kind of learning the athlete and just kind of giving them everything that they need to be successful. And it's the attitude of the coaches that we have here on staff. Like, everyone is ultra-competitive. And when the competition starts at the top, um it's easy to just kind of like embed that in your players, but it also attracts a certain type of player. And, you know, I have been competitive all my life. I've never played a game, whether it be Scrabble or Monopoly or basketball (laughs) and not be in my mind um, to compete and to, you know, absolutely win. And that's the attitude of our staff. So, we go after those type of players and at the basic level of it all, we're honest, you know, the stuff that we tell the kids that we're recruiting, it is. So there's never a a moment in the recruiting process that there's anything that we've told them or um, necessarily promised them that we don't know to be true. So when you kind of have that consistency and you can rest on 
just what is in everything that you tell them when they come to visit us and they see us, they see the things, you know, that um, we've been talking about for a month at a time. I mean, it just kind of, in my opinion, gives them a security um, in the fact that um, it is the reality and that Mm -hmm. they're not surprised by anything. We also don't tell them that it's easy. We tell them that it's hard. It's not just hard academically. It's hard physically to be a top player in college basketball, to win games consistently. It takes work. And uh, the kids that are up for that challenge are the kids that we get. And those that aren't or, you know, just don't kind of see the vision that we have, we don't get. And that's okay because, to me, this relationship between college program and player or coaches and player, like, it is a marriage or it yes. is a fancy concept, and everyone has to believe and kind of want the same thing for us to ultimately win or, or, or be champions, which is our ultimate goal. And who better to have that conversation about all of those things than someone that has had the success at the level at which you've had? And let's just not stop at competing and all the things you named. You also compete in fashion, okay? Because, girl, you you whip out some, some outfits. I'm like, look at Tina. I mean, on the sidelines, no matter where you are, you're always fresh. And actually, we had Holly Rowe on the show. Tariqa, you probably remember this, but we had Holly on our very first show this summer, and she brought back the lipstick. And boy, we were were saying we all owe a debt of gratitude to you because I will pull out my bright and my dark lipsticks today and wear it for a game, and I always think of you. And fans, if you want to keep up with Tina, because sometimes she shares, you know, her fashion, things about Texas. Um, her son, Dylan, is is getting big, but she is on social media, mm-hmm. on Twitter, um, and on Instagram. I am Tina Thompson. Is he going to be, is he going to be like the next, I mean, is he the up and coming number one draft pick, Tina? Because he, he looks like he's getting pretty tall. He is. He's, he's a big kid. He's 12. He just turned 12 in May, and he's almost about 5'9 now. So Woo! he is definitely size um he is he has the potential in my opinion to be pretty good we're still working on that work ethic um yeah and his confidence is off the charts so i'm just trying to get <laughs> his work to match his confidence and when he can do that he could definitely be quite the player and Tina, let me tell you, Holly Rowe was so thorough that she actually remembered the name of the lipstick that you wore. Yes, so ma'am. So she is thorough about that lipstick. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> she knew the exact I, name. I love Holly. I just love the energy <laughs> she brings to the game. But the one thing I love about her is just her consistency and just being on top of her game you know like she is she always knows the moment that she's in and the players and she just has a comfort you know and just kind of doing her job and I believe it's because she just does the work and I just have ultimate respect for that but also I think that she loves and appreciates women's basketball so it's always a pleasure um, for me to see Holly and just kind of like talk to her and like catch up. And um, I know that she was kind of, she was at some, a little while ago, she was kind of going through, you know, just the fight of her life. And um, I, I remember the first game that she um, just wore her natural hair and, and yes. didn't wear a wig. <laughs> I was all for it. You know, I don't know how many times I tweeted, but 
that was like a moment for me, and I was just like, Holly, you are rocking it, and you are such a rock star. So totally living in your truth and your moment. So I totally appreciate Holly. Yeah, she absolutely is, and we have to have to make sure that she she hears that she is um, through what she's been through. You would never know. I mean, she's the most never confident, know. and I mean, just upbeat person. So um, yes, I'll see her actually tomorrow. I'll definitely let her know that you shared that. So speaking of, uh, and I think she's the goat. And I was going to transition Holly no, being the goat on sideline to. <laughs> Talking about the the game, so recently Diana Taurasi uh, broke your scoring record, and she's now the all-time leading scorer in the WNBA. And I just think the most beautiful thing, you know, we've all seen the clips of you talking about it. I thought, you know, you and Dylan, I mean, it's just fantastic listening to your sentiments. But um, for those of us who haven't had a chance to be as close to Diana as you have and to have played with as many great players as you have, what really makes Diana special? Well, one is her her work ethic, but um, Diana is a student, you know, like so often. And I think the game has changed a little bit in the sense that, you know, kids are are very skilled, you know, with doing the training and stuff like that. And uh, sometimes with the skill and the ability to, you know, do certain moves and things like that or whatever, there's like a lack of the why. You know, you know how to do all these things, but not necessarily knowing, you know, why you're doing the certain things that you're doing in the moment. For me, I think that that's what makes Diana so special. She is an absolute student of the game. I mean, she has studied the game and learned the games from a perspective of angles. So there is a reason why she does everything that she does. And when you have a reason and and a knowledge of, just the game in a sense that you're doing certain things at a certain time, that you're simplifying the game, that you don't have to do, you don't have to go in between your legs and behind your back and all that kind of stuff or whatever to, like, score points. Of course, like, it looks good, and I think that it's great for our game, but um, it's all about efficiency if you want to be consistent and kind of make a lasting impact on the game, and Diana is that. She just wants mm-hmm. to score buckets. She just wants to do whatever it takes to give her team an opportunity uh, to win. And, yeah. you know, the scoring record is a, a representation of that. Yeah. When you think about your time with Diana, um, again, you guys having played with, you know, alongside of each other um, mm-hmm. w- or even against each other, you know, competing. And, and both of you guys are, are West Side kids. I want to bring that out yeah. because West Side is on fire <laughs> right now. And I know that you're all about <laughs> West Coast basketball. But um, right. is there is there a memory that stands out to you uh, of Diana or any moment that stands out in your mind of the time you've known her? Well, um, just, I mean, the attitude that she takes about approaching the game. You know, Diana has, like, a lot of fun, but once the lights come on, she's very focused and um, focused on winning and doing whatever it takes in order to, you know, have a positive impact on the game. Um, One thing that not every great player, in my opinion, can always do is to be in the company of other great players, respect that moment, but also be themselves. And that Mm. doesn't mean that you have to score a whole lot of points. It's just that you have to have an impact on the game in some way. And I think that Diana is an absolute representation of that. 
I mean, the teams that we played on together, we won. And um, she didn't have to be the player that scored all the points, that took took all the shots. And in most of her career, especially in college and professionally, that was her role. She has a great ability to become whatever you need, to become a, a f- facilitator if necessary, to become a defender, to just do whatever the team needs at that time. It's something that I've always done throughout my career, just kind of filling in the gaps or whatever needs to be done. And, you know, people will look at it and see, well, you guys scored all these points and did all those things. But the, the things that I'm talking about is not something that everyone looks at. Like there's right. so much more, you know, to the game. But, you know, everyone's kind of fascinated by the points that are put up on the board. So, um I think that, to me, one of her greatest gifts and assets to her game is that um, assets is that she can be whatever you need. Well, and you make a great point because, you know, people that play with Diana, they love playing with her. You know, like if you have to play against her, you're like, oh, no. And now she's physical and she is she has that attitude. Um, But people love playing with her. And actually, I think. um, Hold on. We were just talking about West Coast basketball. I believe we have another West Coaster um, from the from the Pac-12 on the line today. Are you are you with us? Let's go. I'm here. I power walk all (laughs) the way across ESPN. You know, it's a big campus. I power walk because the one and only (laughs) Tina Thompson is on here. And I had to get on the ass. That's right. So it's an all West Coast affair. Welcome in today. You're just in time. Um, Tina and I were just talking about Diana and um, just the greats of the game, Tina being one of them herself. And we were just getting into our last segment with Tina about the GOAT. Now, on our last show, and today wasn't there, you know, we had a little bit of a discussion and we sent a question out to Twitter, like, who do y'all think the GOAT is? And at first we said of women's basketball, and then we went WNBA. So we've been tossing it all around. Now, I said I think Diana's the GOAT. Tarika said, who'd you say, Tarika? I said Cynthia Cooper. Okay, she said Cynthia Cooper, and then we went to Twitter. People are saying Tamika Catchings because she's a two-way player. You know what? Hold on, hold on. Okay, go ahead. You know, I don't trust social media because a lot of times Twitter only remembers the last thing they saw. So, I mean, (laughs) you know, so that's why I don't trust them. Uh, you don't trust them. Okay, mm-hmm. we'll take that. Well, this is your time. Let's, we'll start with you, Chanae. Um, Who would you say right now is the GOAT? You can't say NECA. Um, and then, you know, you can reach yeah. back as far as you want to. <laughs> and, Tina, it is okay for you to say yourself. Just, I, yes, just so drop it. that out there. I, yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> we'll start with Chanae, and then, Tina, that'll give you some time, too. Okay, go ahead, Chanae. Who, who's so, the GOAT? Um, you know, I grew up, and I always tell this story. I grew up in Houston, and um, so you, you are a part of the GOAT that goat era uh for young girls growing up in houston you guys what you did with the comments is a huge legacy you know it's funny i go home and everyone's like jay hey you play for the sun why do they bring the comments back i'm like i can't do that like i don't got it like that <laughs> um so the legacy is still there people still love it so you are the goat goat of our era back home um but yeah i think my goat i'm gonna have to go if i can't pick tina i have to pick someone outside of this podcast uh, i'm going with lisa leslie I like her because she changed the game. I mean, it's not just statistically she's the first woman to dunk in a game, but it's just what she does off the court as well. I mean, how she conducts herself. She has a family. She's working on NBA on TNT, uh, players only. 
Uh, she just keeps pushing boundaries and she keeps uh, giving back to the games the same way, Tina, you do um, at University of Texas. So I like Lisa. Okay, I okay, like Tina. Um, okay, I, w- I don't like to like pick that. one. I don't like to pick one. But if <laughs> I, I had to outside you, the podcast. Totally, but I didn't totally expect Lisa. you to pick anybody that did not go to a Pac-12 or at that time You know Pac-10 how to stick school. with the West. So, how to stick with the yeah, West. I know how you are. Mm-hmm. I know how you are. But that's a good case. Okay, so you're going Lisa. Tina. Because your your yeah. knowledge and you've been around the game longer than all of us, and your contributions to the game are just stupid. So, what you say is going to be gold. Let me just tell you that right now. <laughs> um, so, lay it out there. Who would you say is the goal, and why? Like, what criteria really matters? Is it championships? Is it, um, you know, like today, how you conduct yourself off the court? Like, what is it? Who's the goal? Well, I will say this. I think that when people are talking about the greatest player of all time, it is most likely a matter of opinion and how that person relates to them. Right. So, you know, like it's just kind of like one of those things that, especially when you talk about athletes, in most cases, it is the player that they feel like is most like them and kind of is the most accomplished. Um. All the players that were named, when you talk about Diana, when you talk about Lisa, when you talk about uh, Tamika, when you talk about, like, every single one of us are different. Not one Mm -hmm. of us is the same player. We probably have characteristics, um, similar characteristics, and one Mm -hmm. of them being that, you know, we've won a lot and, you know, our approach to the game and just kind of like the accolades that ensued just in the process of that. Mm-hmm. I would say, in my opinion, that the greatest player of all time is a player that I can't believe that people don't talk about because she started this, um, you know, she started it. Like, she was the first to kind of play the game the way we love to see it being played like now. She is kind of like my Tupac, that she is, you know, was ahead of her time. And I would say that player is Cheryl Miller. I knew it! I knew you were the real underground girl. You're right. I'm like, come on. Like, she was was doing things that we do in the game now that um, in the 80s, you know, so in the 80s is when she was, like, in college. So she had been playing that way for a long time. So we're kind of talking, taking it back all the way to the 70s you know, to a time where Title IX and all that stuff was just kind of starting and, you know, having an impact on our visibility and uh, how the game is viewed and just kind of us us being on or close to a very level ground in regards to the men. So forever and always, Cheryl Miller is going to be my uh, greatest of all time. Can I throw out a disclaimer? Go ahead, girl. Okay, here's my disclaimer. My disclaimer was I was only thinking about players who actually play in the WNBA. But if we're talking no. about women's basketball <laughs> all around, like just period, then I'm riding with you, Tina. Cheryl Miller is, is on it. Okay, so the same wavelength as you, Tina. Okay, okay. Well, okay, to be fair, to be fair. So, Tina, who's your WNBA GOAT then? Um, that's hard. Um, I would have to probably say I've, got, I've had the opportunity – to play with all the players that we're talking about. And I'm going to have to say firsthand because I've just, I've seen them, you know, just on a personal level, on a professional level, and just like work ethics. I'm going to have to go with Cynthia Cooper because I've never seen anyone work as hard as she did at the age that she did it. Like Cynthia 
made me change my game. And people thought, heck, I thought that I was good already. And then I walked in the gym thinking that I was early, and Cynthia had already finished her first workout, and she was changing into a new practice set, and I was just arriving. I was like, yeah, I'm going to have to set my game up, like, a little bit. And (laughs) Cynthia, at the time, I think she was 34. So she was 12 years. She had played professionally 12 years. It was actually more than I had played basketball in my entire life. So, like, at 34, I was like, wow. She's a beast. Common thread. So, taught me how to be a professional. Yeah, no, she, you're right. And you know what? That's where, for me, and I said Diana was my GOAT, but um, I go back and forth between her, between Diana catchings because the fact that she's a great two-way player like my dad has always ingrained to me that defense is important period so he would not he would be ashamed of me (laughs) for not nominating a great defensive player or the greatest defensive player the WNBA has ever seen but the other the other player would be Coop you know because like you said her age but also she's got four rings I mean you've got four rings but as we're talking about that conversation of what elevates you I mean to be able to dominate for that stretch, the way you guys did, and for her to just, I mean, she was a ooh-ah player. I mean, she was that player that people mm-hmm. could not wait to turn on their television. They didn't want to miss a game. We were all raising the roof. Don't lie, say you wasn't. And, you know, it was just one of those things that you had to be a part of. So I can see that argument. Okay, so Tarika's going to make me rap because we have to get on with the show. But, Tina, we just wanted to, number one, give you all the praise because I know I couldn't do what I am doing now. I'm sure I speak for Chanae. She couldn't do what she's doing on and off the court, which she's just such a big star. We could barely get her on, on the podcast false, anymore. False and, then, and then and then Tarika as well. We just want to thank you for paving the way, for wearing that bright lipstick, yes. girl, for Hold being on. a great mom. Hey, hey Latrina, yes, I want to just go. come in once. I have to say this. I don't know if I've ever told you, but when I was growing up in Houston, um, before I left for Stanford, I had to clean out my room. So I'm going to try to throw the story in really quick before you go. I had to clean out my room, and I went into the back of my room, and I had one of those arts and craft box that you save, like, for childhood that your mom says, never throw away. You might want it one year later. I opened it up, and there was a Houston Comets ticket in there. And I didn't even know oh, I went wow. to the game, but when I saw the ticket, I started thinking about myself, um, Neck and I growing up, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I do remember going. And I remember experiencing this whole scene where Houston was jumping and it was really a part of something special, but then also I experienced that with my sister. That was my first basketball memory ever, and it involved you. Yeah. And I didn't remember it until I saw the ticket because I was so young. So I want you to know that you are a game changer. You planted that seed sub- like subconsciously. And we love you. We appreciate all the work you do. And where are you? Deep in the heart of Texas. That's what I rap. That's what I rap. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Tina. We would love to have you back on the show again. Thank you so much for joining us. For sure. Thanks, guys. Thank Thank you. you. Hey, fans, it's halftime. And before we head into the third quarter, just another reminder that we want to hear from you. That's right. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, make sure you leave a review. You rate us. Any thoughts you may have, you can drop them there. If you're listening to us on the ESPN app, you can subscribe. Again, we want to hear from you on Twitter. Hashtag around the rim. My handle is at LaChina Robinson, Tarika Foster Brasby, at She Knows Sports underscore, and then the fabulous and wonderful, can't call her fabulous because that's that's Tarika's nickname, the wonderful <laughs> Chanae Ogubike at Chanae321. We want to hear from you. Third quarter. Scouting report.
fans, we are heading into the third quarter and I got to tell you, when LaChina said that this show was going to be packed, she literally meant packed because we have the president of the WNBA on our show right now, none other than Miss Lisa Borders. How's it going, Lisa? Going great. Thank you guys so much for having me. Just thrilled to be with you. Thank you for having the time. We saw you at the NBA Awards, and you were with our co-host, Chanae. So, Chanae, what was that like, being able to grace the red carpet? Because you guys were stunning. First of all, I was so excited to walk the red carpet and alongside arm in arm with our president, which we love and we adore. And um, it was an amazing experience. We had fun. I know Lisa can attest to it. But at the same time, we represented. We held it down. So um, the, the league, the WNBA, when it comes to events, we roll deep. And and speaking of our president, Lisa, you are amazing. I mean, a lot of times people people are just starting to get to know you, I think. And oh. um and, Thank you, oh, No, it's my pleasure. And and we, uh, the union, myself, my sister, we've had a head start, and I've had plenty of opportunities to come into league offices recently. And um, our theme, our baby, is this campaign, Watch Me Work. And I'm just here to tell everyone, you need to watch Lisa work. Watch her work <laughs> because she absolutely pounds the pavement. She is our biggest ambassador. She is at games. She is traveling 24-7. She's doing all the grassroots efforts efforts to make our, our league grow. And you are going to take us to the next level. We believe in it firmly. We follow your leadership. We are in formation with you, and we salute. Thank you so much. Oh, we, you know what? It's a privilege to have the opportunity to work alongside you and NECA and all of our athletes in the league, 144 strong. It doesn't get any better than that. I just came from a presentation where I was talking about you guys. As you know, uh, I am consistently talking about the league and how great it is that we are where we are, but we still have opportunities to get even better and do even more work uh, than we've done thus far. And, and speaking of opportunities, I know we just celebrated the 45th anniversary of Title IX. Um, and Title IX was a game changer, not just for women, for everyone, for equality, for opportunities. And I wanted to ask, uh, what does the rising generation need to do to continue the legacy of Title IX? You know, Chanae, Title IX, you are absolutely correct. Uh, it was passed, obviously, in 1972, co-sponsored uh, by Birch Bayh in the Senate and Patsy Mink in the House. So it is a law that's on the books that indicates you cannot discriminate on the basis of gender if public funds are available. That was and is a game changer, as you said, but I always tell folks legislating behavior is really difficult. You can use the laws as the backbone to your argument, but bringing the laws to life is what's really important so that it actually changes the hearts and minds of individual and collective people. So when I think of this new generation today, your generation of athletes who are extraordinary in their profession, but you all are even better people, I think what we all can do, and you guys leading, is deliver the results on the court in your profession, but also in your personal lives with your philanthropy, the compassion that you show the WNBA family, but also the broader community, because that's really what changes the hearts and minds of people 
about women and about how the community can be shaped by our participation, our full participation, because that's what Title IX was really about, granting opportunity, really mitigating or attempting to mitigate conscious and unconscious bias against women. And so to the extent that you and your peers deliver on the floor and women deliver in every sector and every industry, you actually demonstrate the value that we offer. We are assets of the community and valuable ones at that. Lisa, I'm glad that you mentioned that because that kind of brings me around to the impact that Title IX has had specifically over the last 20, 30 plus years. We've seen, at least on on some level, adverse effects as well as positive effects of Title IX. Uh, and, and I hate to bring uh, a tennis example into it, but we kind of see it now with the recent situation with John McEnroe and the comments that were made on Serena Williams as far as qualifying, you know, women versus men in the realm of sports. But in your opinion, what do you think is the most important aspect that Title IX has had and how it has impacted women? Well, in a sense, it leveled the playing field. That was the objective, was to ensure that everyone had equal opportunity, that if you had an ability, you were able to leverage and exploit that ability in the workplace, on the basketball court, or anywhere else for that matter. What Title IX cannot do, no law can do, is really affect ignorance. Ignorance says that you have not been exposed to something different. And it's unfortunate when people make comments like have been made most recently, it would be helpful and informative if people would look at one another as individuals and not paint with broad brushes and not speak from their biased perceptions. All of us have biases. The way you neutralize those is by experience and exposure. And when you lack that, you tend to be a closed person and a closed-minded person. And that translates to ignorance in my book. Without the experience, without the exposure, you are really talking out of your neck and you just need to be quiet. Speaking of ignorance, and I'm just going to keep it real because that's what we do, Lisa. We always keep it real. We're all hustling in the WNBA because we truly want our league to grow. But there is, I would say, for lack of a better word, an ignorant um, form of the population out there that may not experience the WNBA, but yet continue to speak upon it. And we are all working hard to, to show people our real game, our authentic self, so that those fans that may hear about the WNBA and may be ignorant about it, may actually change their perceptions and come to a game. And we know what you're doing. You're pounding the pavement. You know what we're doing. We're hooping. We're hooping on the court. We have so many fans out there that listen and buy tickets. But my question is, what can WNBA fans also do in their day-to-day lives, the listeners of this podcast, to continue building momentum for the WNBA so that we can defeat those ignorant stereotypes that are out there about our league sometimes? The way to diminish or or mitigate any type of ignorance is to show the bright light of sunshine on the situation. So what I tell folks is before you have an opinion, because everybody can have an opinion, but an informed opinion is much more valuable, is to come to a game or watch a game on ESPN 
or you can watch it on League Pass, our digital platform, or now today, today, you know we are now streaming live on Twitter. Yeah. So the Internet is ubiquitous. It is everywhere, and so the opportunity for folks to see a game is no longer a problem if you don't live in a given market where one of our 12 teams is playing. There's no excuse to have a perception that is not based in reality or based in fact. When we have options like ESPN, which has a global footprint, or Twitter, which has a global digital footprint. So what I would invite listeners of this podcast, friends, family, and the broader extended community to do is to talk about the WNBA from an informed perspective, number one, either see a game or in person or watch a game on one of these platforms and then reach out to someone else, sort of an each one reach one campaign that says, I'm going to bring a new person into the fold and make sure that they are enlightened and informed about what this WNBA league is all about. I love it, guys. We've got Lisa Borders on the podcast, and this is an amazing opportunity to just kind of pick her brain. I wish we had more time. But before we let you go, Lisa, we are also celebrating a very special person in the game of women's basketball. As June 28th is the anniversary of the passing of the legendary coach Pat Summit. And as a woman in business yourself, and if anybody knows Pat or have had any type of relationship with her, and when you speak to people who have often talked about her and what she's brought to the game, she was about her business. That's for sure. And so what do you see, you know, as Pat Summit's overall impact? And that's on the world even beyond women's basketball. Pat Summit uh, was and is a legend, and she is iconic, not just for women, not just for sports but for accomplishment and leadership. And I think it was Marion Wright Edelman, another fantastic woman, who said, you cannot be what you cannot see. Pat Summit was an example of excellence. And because she has passed on, her legacy remains. All the players that have played for her, who have also played in the W and beyond, the Kara Lawsons, the Tamika Catchings, the Candace Parkers, all of those young women are truly her acolytes, and they too shine a bright light on the accomplishments and the potential of women. So I think her impact is the level of accomplishment that she achieved during her lifetime, playing the game, coaching the game, mentoring young women, and leading by example. That cannot be diminished in any way. We sit back and we look at people who are alive and walking among us, but we have to remember that none of us got here by ourselves. It was people like Pat Summit who cut a wide path for us to follow, to make sure that we understand, not just from her generation, but for ours and future generations. And sort of back to Chanae's question at the top of the conversation, like, what can we do? What can this generation do? I look at Tina Thompson and the extraordinary scoring record she held for the WNBA from the time she played up until just a week or so ago when Diana Taurasi, the, the literal new kid on the block, eclipsed that score. We can keep delivering. We can keep delivering excellent entertainment, excellent hoops, because that is the real paying it forward 
again, bringing Title IX and its implications and what it was trying to do to life every day to actually change the hearts and minds of those who would not want to grant us equal opportunity. Well, Lisa, you know, today we had big, fierce debates about goats. And you mentioned one, Pat Summit. And we are so glad the title of this podcast should be Goat because you are absolutely one. You are one of the greatest of all time to walk and grace this league. We're so lucky to have you. And I know T agrees. I absolutely do. And I thank you for titling the podcast because that is simply (laughs) it. Uh, President Borders, we absolutely appreciate everything that you've done and that you continue to do for the game of women's basketball. We appreciate you coming on Around the Rim, and I certainly know that LaChina hopes, as well as myself, that this will not be the last time that you grace our podcast. Uh, It will not. It will not. I promise you. You guys invite me, and I will always be here to support you and what all of us are trying to do. As Cheney said, we roll deep. I already know. I already know. Make sure fans, you guys are following Lisa Borders on Twitter at WNBA Prez, P-R-E-Z. And hey, you're welcomed anytime. Your goat. home is our home. Goat. The GOAT. Oh, thank you all so much. Have a great day. You, you too. too. Fourth quarter. Out of bounds. Okay, fans, so we are going to go out of bounds with our Twitter poll from last week. Now, if you missed the show last week, which you should have no excuse for. Nope. But if you did it anyway, we were talking, LaChina, uh, myself, and Devereaux Peters were on, and we were talking about Diana Taurasi and her breaking the record, if that makes her the GOAT of the WNBA. Now, LaChina and Devereaux were like, I'm rolling with DT. I said I'm rolling with Coop. And as we've heard on the show today, uh, we've heard Cheryl Miller. We've heard Cheney mention Lisa Leslie. We heard Tina mention Coop. Um, look, I, I wanted to go to Twitter. I wanted to hear from you guys, and so did everyone else. So we took the Twitter for a little poll, and the results are in. And I, I wish I had a fake drum roll, but I don't have one. You can't hear it, huh? Can't hear my drum no, roll? Let me try my best. <laughs> <laughs> You're not as bad as me. <laughs> So, um, with six votes on Twitter, and there were quite a few, you guys on social media believe that the GOAT of WNBA basketball is none other than Miss I Just Got My Jersey Retired, number 24, Tamika Catchings. I love Tamika. Like, that is my fam. That is my sis. And I think she is... I wish, you know what, we should redefine it. It should not be GOAT. We should just make a Mount Rushmore because that's what they do in the NBA. They do a Mount Rushmore, even though they do say, like, LeBron or MJ, who's the GOAT. But that argument, honestly, essentially is about what's mo- who's most relevant at the time. When LeBron averages a triple-double in the NBA Finals, he's the GOAT. When he misses a game winner, the next thing you know, oh, it's Kobe, or now it's Bill Russell or Will Chamberlain. Like, it's crazy. So, I love my girl, Tamika. She is a sister um, but I, I might still disagree. See, it's and it's okay. So let me tell you who came in second. There was actually a tie with five votes apiece between Cynthia Cooper and Diana Taurasi. And after which we had tied at one vote apiece, Simone Augustus, Lauren Jackson, Maya Moore, and Lisa Leslie. Well, uh, well wait, you you make two for Lisa, so there you go. Lisa's Yay. in third, she so there you go. We bumped her up. up. We bumped <laughs> her up. But I think these 
are some really great names on this list, and you're right. I think we probably need to put together a Mount Rushmore because yes. it's so it's difficult so to pick just one. Yes. This game is so young. So many people have contributed in so many different ways. It's hard to pick one. It really is, yeah. And, I, I mean, just just having to pick one feels like you're dissing someone else. Like, I love Catch. I love Diana Taurasi. I love what they've done to the game. But like Tina alluded to, everything is subjective. Like, you put, you sort of tend to pick who you think embodies you. Like, Lisa Leslie's a person, I, I, since I was a kid, I was like, I want to be just like her. So no matter what happens in my lifetime, I'm going to probably say Lisa Leslie. Um, so everyone has their own goats. But it's funny. So I was at the NBA Awards. It was really awesome. I'm glad the NBA invited the WNBA. You look Solidarity. stunning, by the way. Thanks, homie. You know, I had to rep a little Nigel Flair. Um, but it was funny. They honored Lifetime Achievement Award Bill Russell. Mm-hmm. And Bill Russell, first of all, he is the cutest old man ever. And um, he's like, everybody wants a grandpa like Bill Russell. And I don't know if you you watched, but uh, he there was a lineup of all the greatest centers. I, I did, mean, yeah. Zoe was there, Shaq, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Mm-hmm. Um, who else? I'm missing the some Admiral. people. They're standing to the side, and he said, "I'm going. If we were all playing right now, I would have kicked your butt." He didn't say butt. He sure didn't. Old, old men can be a little senile like that, and we loved it. We ate it up, and it had me thinking. Bill Russell, that man, won 11 championships in 13 seasons. Like what? How is that even possible? And and everyone's saying now he's the goat. But then again, it's like subjective. Just because we have the NBA awards, does that change the people that were arguing against LeBron James or Kobe Bryant? So yeah, it's all different strokes for different folks. I think we have so many uh, goats in the women's game, and we need to mount Rushmore, or maybe like for the women's game, we should call it like the Himalaya or something like that. The Himalaya. Well, you know what? Oh, we are going to toss this back out to our fans once again. So last week we had you guys talk about the goat. This week, who's on the Himalaya hoop? We want to know the Himalaya. <laughs> Yes. Yes, that's it. We definitely need to get your top four. So go ahead and tweet us. Hashtag around the rim, which reminds me, we should probably create an actual at around the rim Twitter for the show. This is a good idea. I think. I think we need to do that. We need to do that. that I think it, it'll be better. It'll be good. That. Progress. For now, hashtag around the rim and let us know who is sitting in your Himalayas of hoops yes, for Himalaya women's hoop. basketball. And uh, who knows? We might get you on the show next week. Absolutely. Well, fans, that is it for this week's show. We just want to thank you for loving women's basketball as much as we love women's basketball and continue to support Around the Rim. Tell your friends about it. We will be back next week, and we have a very special guest, so you make sure you join us then. And also, don't forget about what Tarika told you. Cast your votes for your top four players in women's basketball. It is not the Mount Rushmore. It is Women's basketball, Himalayas. I'll have to weigh in on that next week. (laughs) Until then, fans, thanks for tuning in to Around the Rim. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Around the Rim. Check out more podcasts from ESPN on the ESPN app.